This is the weekly sales meeting for July 2nd, 2023. My name is Chris Fleming. You can reach me at chris at cdmediaconsulting.com or go to our website at cdmediaconsulting.com. Today's topic is people are bad at math. A&W Restaurants stakes the claim of being the oldest chain in America. Its roots date back to a root beer stand in Lodi, California, circa 1919. Co-founder Roy Allen used it to celebrate the end of World War I. He served up his frosty new invention, root beer. Later, in 1923, Allen partnered with his employee, Frank Wright. They opened their first restaurant together in Sacramento, California, hence the name A&W Restaurants, named after the founder's last names Allen and Wright. The company would be credited with several milestones, one is being one of the first successful restaurant franchise operations, White Castle would be the other, and they are credited with inventing the bacon cheeseburger. This is based on the success of their Lansing, Michigan franchise in 1963. Those that lived through the 1980s might remember the short-lived burger wars. Every fast food outlet was competing in the land grab of market share. There were millions of meal dollars flooding the lunch and dinner landscape. One of those players was A&W Restaurants. McDonald's had established dominance in the category with its quarter pounder. The marketing geniuses at A&W thought they could outmaneuver the Golden Arches. They launched their offensive in the Burger Wars by introducing the third pound burger. This burger was not only bigger, but had a lower price point than Mickey D's. A&W sunk tons of money into radio, television, and billboards. They pushed this theme, the third is the word. On the surface, you would think they would have had a winner. But they failed to take into account mass stupidity caused by using facts. A&W could not understand why they were not gaining ground. They went to the market to find out. In their focus group setting, they discovered what we know now to be true. In the absence of true understanding and clarity, perception is 100% of reality. Mass audiences have very rudimentary understanding of mathematics. John Q. Public believed that the third pound hamburger was actually smaller than the quarter pounder at the competitor. They discovered people are terrible when it comes to basic math. And it's even worse when it comes to fractions. People believe that a quarter is bigger than a third. To the naked eye, seeing the four and the three side by side gave the appearance of supremacy to the four. The brain processed that information and came to grips with it in rapid fashion. Four is bigger than three. Next, it was a very expensive lesson for the group at A&W. Perception is part of sales. Influencing the perception of value is part of closing more business. As we know, people will buy for their reasons, not yours. One of those reasons has to do with perceived value. A&W's campaign did not move the needle for them, but it did succeed in one thing. It gave a big boost in sales to McDonald's. As Napoleon Bonaparte once stated, never interrupt your enemy when he is making a mistake. The other lesson we can learn from this is because people are bad at math, we can use it to influence perception. Retailers have been doing this for hundreds of years. It happens in all walks of business, and you can use some of these techniques in presenting your offers to clients. It taps into basic human psychology and gets you closer to close with a simple matter of presentation. It can speed up the sales process. Here are some of those retail techniques. Reducing the price by one digit. Taking something from $3 to $2.99. As you look at this, perception is it is less money. Is it really, though? 
I guess you could argue the technicality of it being one cent less because two ninety nine is not three dollars. It starts with a two and not a three. The human brain encodes numbers with speed. And because it does that, the smaller digit is enough to make the price seem smaller, even though it's the same price. The brain will mask over this difference. It makes an automatic assignment of the mental first digit to the pricing line. Do you know who's notorious for this tactic? Gas stations have been doing this since the advent of the internal combustion engine to power vehicles. Gas is posted at two ninety-nine and nine tenths of a cent, as if there is a nine tenths of a cent coin to pay for this service. But it is not three dollars. It is two. Two ninety-nine and nine tenths of a cent per gallon. Back to A and W. This should have worked in their favor, but people are bad at fractions. Four is bigger than three. In your case, pricing things at two ninety-nine rather than three dollars would make them appear less than they actually are. In that same arena, we can look at the number of syllables in a word. Even though most people do not say prices out loud, prices with fewer syllables appear to be less expensive, even though the price may be higher. $49.82 appears to be bigger than $50.12, even though you and I both know the second one is the higher price. Bob Barker or Drew Carey would have kicked us off the prices right for not knowing the basic pricing structure. But in the sales world, fewer syllables means less money. It is both a cognitive bias and quick processing mental gymnastics that causes this fallacy. Either way, if you are not aware of it, you could be costing yourself decisions at the finish line. Much like A&W restaurants, knowing in advance how people react can prevent you from making a big mistake. In creating proposals, we tend to try to put everything in it we can. It is the world of word vomit. We tend to want to show off our knowledge base in written material. The truth is, the less you say, the more effective it is. Give your proposal space to breathe. When we get to the end, we put the price tag on it. When the price eclipses four digits. We like to get real formal. We know our sixth-grade English teacher is going to grade our proposal, so she told us to put a comma after the first number. What retailers have known for a very long time is that the comma signals a higher price to the consumer. So, whenever possible, remove the comma from the final price. It gives the appearance of higher value and lower cost. Here's another one that you often find at Walmart or Costco. Consumers are more likely to choose something at a price ending in an odd number than an even number or a whole number. Instead of the price tag reading five dollars, it may read four dollars and ninety-seven cents. Both of these discount houses have learned that they will sell more when they price with that odd number, and both have a triggering mechanism to signal that the price is the lowest it's going to be, depending on that very last number. At both Walmart and Costco, it is the last two digits of nine and seven. When you see a price that ends in point nine seven, that is the lowest price it's going to be. If you want it, you should buy it at that point. Many have caught on to this. I have used this technique for the better part of nine years. It has brought me more success than failure. It is already ingrained in the consumer's psyche. This habitual purchasing and triggering event can translate to our proposals as well. Back to your sixth-grade English teacher. When applying a price tag, get rid of the dollar sign. Your English teacher is mad now. High-end and fine dining restaurants have discovered this technique. Removing the dollar sign from higher-priced items increases the likelihood of a sale. The dollar sign is a trigger. It signals to the human brain something expensive is going to follow. But removing the dollar sign removes the trigger. The shopper is left to their imagination about whether it wants that item or not, rather than the internal trigger point caused by the dollar sign. 
Keep that in mind when crafting your next proposal. When you get to the end and attach the price to it, remove the dollar sign. People will pay more for perception. One thing we learned over the last three years is that nostalgia sells. Anything that had a nostalgic flavor to it was in high demand. What can we do to tap into that nostalgia? How can we give the buyer that good feeling created by those memories? Those memories are why nostalgia sells. The other thing people will pay more for is the perception of quality. How can you craft your offer to tap into these perceptions? What is it about your product or service that illustrates one of these triggers? When you see a commercial with the words handcrafted or 100% organic, these are triggers of high value. Because of that, the pretzel logic of the human brain already comes to grips with the fact that it will cost more, and they don't shy away from it. This is where the time and effort you have put into your offer has more value. When offering choices, common logic would say you have a good, better, and best. The base price of good, the medium price of better, and the high price of best would all be equidistant. If good is $500, then better would be 1000 and best would be 1500 The average person would consider the three options and choose the middle one. Given the three choices and the pricing gap between them, they go for the Goldilocks one. The price in the middle is the most attractive because it's the safe option. My suggestion is to leave good where it is, but price better at $1,350 and best at $1,500. A quick glance makes better and best appear almost equal. Good looks unattractive. Good is dismissed as a non-choice. The choice is then between better and best, and the gap is almost negligible. Because of that, more buyers choose the best option than the better option because the gap is not so great. I'd like to show the customer the most expensive thing they can buy immediately. People who sell jewelry and people who sell cars use this method. When you go to the jewelry store and ask to see the diamond selection, they will show you the brightest, biggest, most sparkly item in the case. This does two things. One is it acts as a price anchor. It establishes the full value of your product. Either they sell that item or it is way out of the price range of the prospect. The next price item is going to seem reasonable no matter what the price is. The second thing that it does by establishing that value is it creates the want. When you show the next item or the next offer, it will be compared to the large, bright, shiny one. That basis of comparison will create a struggle in the mind of the buyer between the want and the reality. Showing this at the beginning will raise the average price tag of each sale. When creating rates and rate cards, I will do pricing to the penny. Most people will round to the nearest dollar amount. I have it come out to the penny. The reason I do this is it displays honest value. It appears that we put a lot of thought and mathematics into our pricing structure. Because it is displayed to the penny, and that number is not a round number, the mind interprets that as more honest. I have been using odd-numbered pennied pricing for more than 10 years, and what I have found is I get fewer pricing arguments. Remember, the mind interprets numbers with speed and agility. This visual representation tells the mind that the price on display is the lowest price, the lowest price they are going to get. So the price is accepted as the true value of the offer. When it is a round number, it tells most people that that number can be negotiated. Numbers with pennies on them have already seen a sharpened pencil. 
because people are bad at mathematics and because the mind works at a very quick speed, these everyday pricing techniques work. Understanding the principles and the psychology behind them gives you a competitive edge. It is an edge in crafting proposals and presentations for your product. By borrowing tools from the retail world, the consumer is already used to seeing these things. By putting them in practice in your sales franchise, you can capture more of your unfair share of dollars. You can increase your win rates. You can cut down on the decision gap that bogs down many closing conversations. Or you can ignore all this competitive wisdom. If you do, you may find yourself in the same position as the operators of A&W restaurants. You will be wondering why you didn't win the burger wars of the 1980s with your bigger, lower-cost hamburgers. My new book, 52 Weekly Sales Meetings, is now available on Amazon.com. If you like what you have heard here today, please consider ordering a copy or two. You can always send one to a friend. Go to cdmediaconsulting.com right now and follow the instructions to order.